Welcome to the Florence Guild podcast, a collection of conversations with business and cultural leaders delivering insight into future approaches to business and life. Through conversations in an array of styles, from salon talks to lifestyle events, through to intimate facilitated lunches and dinners, Florence Guild promotes encounters, satiates curiosity, and allows insight into future approaches to business and life. The following Florence Guild conversation was recorded live at Work Club Sydney, Australia's most forward-thinking workspace. Welcome to the Work Club podcast. Um, today I've got Christina and Lisa um, from SU Australia, uh, both co-CEOs. Welcome both. Hi. Thank Hi. you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Uh, SU, can you tell me a bit more about what what is SU? What does it stand for? And share a bit more about SU, please. I love that question. Our mission is educate, empower, inspire leaders to use exponential technology to solve the world's grand challenges, which is quite a broad statement. Mm-hmm. And uh, Christina, I love you put it into great succinct words with humanity and technology. Yeah, so it's all about um, using technology to benefit humanity. So we all know that technology is, you know, wonderful. There's a lot of people that are actually fearful of what te- where technology can take us. Um, but we have this phrase that, that um, I really like anyway. It's called humanivate. So it's where humanity and technology meet um, and there's great purpose involved. So we're a very purposeful organisation, um, as Lisa said, around the global grand challenges. And Singularity U is all about the marrying um, of humanity and technology and how do we make our lives easier, the world better, using technology. Wonderful. So what does that mean in Australia? What, what, what are you doing in Australia from an issue perspective? We're bringing together the ecosystem here and when we talk about technology, there's so many different technologies and things like nanotechnology, bionics, robotics, artificial intelligence, networks, sensors, AR, VR, there's so much actually happening in the world. So what we love doing is bringing the thought leadership from our expert faculty all around the world together to be able to share that here in Australia and help Australians have an exponential impact. And I have to say congratulations, Soren, because you are now certified expert faculty for Singularity U internationally. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I guess it, it kind of, that sort of leads into the whole, um, I love what SU do and always have done. And I think the whole anchor being technology, but also the focus on the human side, you, you know, because I, I see those two going hand in hand and it's not one or the other. No. But often there's more focus on the technology side and we kind of forget the human side a bit. Yeah, and I, but I think that's a perception as well. So yeah. if we think about technology, it's been around since the year dot. I mean, yeah. the wheel is a is a form of technology. Mm, the mm. car was a form of technology. You know, an aeroplane is technology. It's just that it's the technology has changed um, what it looks like, what it does, what it feels like. It's now scalable. It reaches more people. Mm. Uh, so technology's always been around. And at the beginning of every new era, every new change, there's this fear factor. I can show you a meme from the 50s where 
when the telephone, you know, the, the telephone came out, the next iteration came out, the books came out, um, electronic books came out, and the whole thing has always been, now this has happened, people won't talk to each other, now this has happened, no one will read a book, now this has happened, print's dead, you know, etc. But what we found, A, with the telephone is that people are using it um, in some instances to connect more, and with books, books are making a big resurgence. Like, mm. So I offered my, my son... Um, a Kindle or an iPad or something to download his books because he's an avid reader. He mm. said, no way. He said, I like the smell of the book. I like the feel of the book. I like mm, the touch great. of the page. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is this is part of the new generation coming up who appreciate what technology does for them because mm. try taking a mobile phone um, away uh, but love love the the experience still of that tactile because mm. we are, we're a te- tactile being, you know. Mm. We're a, a sentient being that loves touch that loves tactility that Mm. loves smell we love using our senses Mm. so again technology is a resource to make our lives better and easier and and more fluid Mm. but it's not to take away from our humanness and the human conversation is so important because i think when you talk about technology and how it's been around for so long we've actually never experienced the speed of change that we have today and so our brains have evolved to be very linear and you know what's around us and what's our everyday Mm. like and now there's this exponential technology and this scalable technology and we're looking at in the next 10 years a completely different world than what we've lived in previously and so how do we actually bring more of that human conversation to Mm. the forefront Mm. And if you think about it, technology actually gives you enough time to have that extra conversation because you're not doing all the menial tasks that potentially you were. I can't wait for Robocop to come and live at my house, you know, mm. and I don't mean I don't mean Robocop, I mean the robot um, that will come and vacuum my house so that I don't have to do that anymore. Mm. They exist, by the I, way. I do, mm. I know they exist. I can't wait for them to come to my house. Um, but it's all these things where technology is being used to, to give us more space and more yeah. time, yeah. and yet at the same time, it's almost like we're fearful mm. of having that more space, more time, because what's it going to mean to us? Yeah. I always find it funny um, when people talk about technology and it taking over jobs and I go, well, it's taking over the mundane, boring, robotic, repetitive jobs. Mm. Why Mm. wouldn't we want it to take those over to free us what we do best? Mm. Be creative, be thinkers, mix, be social beings. Yeah. I want to talk about the future in a minute, but I just want to go back on the human side and the two humans sitting here opposite me and just get to know you a little bit better. What's your journey before you started as um, SU Australia, if you like, you know, co-CEOs. So what's your own personal journey? It's in a little bit of a quick background. Oh, that's a very <laughs> wide question. So I've actually been um, a bit of a Jill of all trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a variety of things. I have um, studied law. I've been a um, alternate medicine practitioner. I've sung in a band. I um, Oh, what band? Uh, what was called Big Bamboom at the time, but it had oh. several iterations after that. Okay. Um, thank you very much. Uh, so, what else did we do? I, I mean, I, I've had, I've worked in education. Uh, I've run a film and television school. I, I ran a production company before that. I ran a music school. But everything for me has been about experience. So, how mm. do you give people the maximum experience mm. um, in any of those fields? And I used to be very worried that I was a Jill of all trades and I couldn't focus in on one aspect until I met this wonderful human who's worked for Steven Spielberg and Steve Jobs and all these other wonderful people and has designed multiple um, animations and, you know, designed a Porsche, etc. Uh, and and in conversation, he was telling me that he had, um, I said to him, 
why did Steve Jobs hire you? And he said, I actually asked Steve Jobs that question. Uh, and he said, Steve Jobs hired him because he knew a little, he knew a lot about a lot of things. He wasn't an expert in one field, but mm. he knew a lot about a lot of things. And I kind of went, oh my goodness, I've come home. You know, I've, I've, that, that really fits how mm. I feel. Mm. Um, and I think it's if you can use that creativity, which I always have, um, and come up with new ideas and make everything experiential, which it doesn't matter which career I've been in, they're the things that I've done. So it was almost like coming home for me when I did start my own business and it was all about creativity and innovation uh, and it led to um, experiencing some of the singularity you speakers at mm -hmm. various conferences because I've been invited to several conferences um, internationally um, over the years and I started meeting these people and I went, this is an amazing organisation and, and finally invested in going to a program um, and had my world, I guess, turned around a little uh, and opened or rebranded my business into Utopia X because I actually believe that Utopia is possible but mm. it's different for everybody mm. and how do we help people achieve utopia in their own in their own definition mm, great. so i hope i've answered your question yes great thank you oh, my Elisa. turn yes so i am the almost the exact opposite um so christina is the creative the part of the team and i'm the analytical part of the team so my answer is usually typically i work in finance full stop um, but we we have this great joke that um, Christina work, uh, works with ABCs and I'm the ones and zeros. So I actually do have marriage, a yeah. finance yeah. Marriage yeah. background. Yes, absolutely. And uh, CFO by trade. And for me, it's as a really good CFO, you're looking yeah. in the forward um, the front windscreen, not in your revision mirror. And yeah. so a lot of the singularity you and getting involved in this is because I've been doing strategic advice and planning for businesses for a very long time. And I sold an engineering business in 2012. I became an angel investor and started a finance business and really to help aspirational businesses grow. And I think so many people have great ideas and particularly in Australia, we just need help and support. Mm. And having spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley, and with all of these technologies, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so my background in finance and being able to bring that now to Singularity U and the thought leadership here is really how do we actually achieve our strategic objectives and how do we have an exponential impact or how does Australia fit in this global landscape and make the most of it. And I love the human side. I'm all about the human side because I'm very good at the systems and processes behind the scenes to allow humans to flourish. And that's where I think um, this is such a great partnership and especially um, working out of work club and being a finance person and being able to come and have these great conversations in uh, breaks and what you do here is so amazing. Thank you. You know, I, I love what you said, what, we, what you don't know, you don't know. And that was always one of the parts of Florence Gill, of, of the ideas behind it is that if you can look a little bit into the future and you can have conversations around what uh, may or may not happen, at least you have a, a better idea of what could happen or if you surround yourself with some experts that will talk about a topic mm -hmm. at least it's it's almost like an insurance policy to some extent that you you have some idea of what's happening next and my experience with SU is actually you you get this insight into the future almost um, from different angles um, and for me it's the same thing that 
uh, not looking into the future is absolutely, you know, whether you look at it from an opportunity perspective or whether you look at it from a risk management perspective, you still need to do it. Mm. And how do you find the ideas, I guess, being in Australia, the international thought leadership with the SU community and um, how we can bring that with the you don't know what you don't know into what we do here? Say that again, sorry, Elizabeth. Uh, it's the the international thought leadership, and yeah, I think in Australia yeah. and growing up in Australia, yeah. um, that you don't know what you don't know. Yes, and yes. sometimes with technology now, we have access to this thought leadership from all around the world. Yeah, and I love the Florence yeah. Guild. It's just yeah. how do we actually expose ourselves to the right thing and like that rivers of information? Exactly. What do we need to know? Yeah, and that's the question, I guess. You know, what do we need to know? We we we. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> and, uh, but that's why I'm and, going to claim something famous here. Yeah, okay. I was good. one of the first members of Florence Guild. That's how we um, first connected. Yeah, so when you right. first opened Florence Guild. Yes. Uh, and I, I thought the concept of that was brilliant because what you do is you open up the mind to possibilities. Mm, and you don't expect good, yeah. everybody in a room to agree no, with not everybody at all. else. Extra friction is good. Well, that's right, because it mm. creates that extra conversation. Mm. And as long as you can agree to disagree, you know, mm. there's some brilliant... Co- I was involved with some amazing conversations um, at Florence Guild. Mm. And I, I think... And we ran some design thinking workshops, actually, through Florence mm. Guild a few years ago. Yeah. But I loved that, and, and I knew at that point, and then when we did the singularity, um, you brought it into Australia, that mm. work club was a perfect alignment because that thinking, the potential for out there thinking and for acceptance of different perspectives. Mm. Uh, and then there's the whole, like I love your concept and your theory on what a piece of furniture is, mm. you know. So having read all of that and, and the appreciation, and it's almost like with a piece of furniture, it's the appreciation of it there and then, um, but the thought that can happen around it is that future that you're talking about. So mm. I think we're actually a really good fit. Now, now, sitting here on this wonderful furniture and having this wonderful conversation, what can we talk about that's going to create friction? Are the robots taking over? Well, possibly. You know, they, well, maybe they should be at your house cleaning They up, should be you know. at my house right now. Um, so <laughs> they're invited any time. But, yeah, we'll talk about the robots and talk about the future. Do you... Um, I want to talk about your vision of SU going forward and in Australia, what do you want to achieve through SU? But also just from a future perspective, are you excited about the future or are you worried about the future? I'm really excited about the future because the way I look at the world right now, so I'm an optimist and and I'm quite naive um, and I love human potential. Okay, so I look at life in terms of what is possible, not what can't happen um, Mm. and not on the bad side of things. So we do this exercise um, that goes, how many good people are there in the world? How many bad people are there in the world? Uh, And at the end of the day, when you see the show of hands, there are many, many, many more good people in the world. Sometimes the bad news has the louder voice. So I'm an eternal optimist and I'm an idealist. So I have a very positive view of the future and I think that's a really healthy thing but I think there has never been a better time I mean if you look around what's happening now we're talking about universal basic income we're talking about using um, using uh, technology to better our lives mm-hmm. and as Seth Godin said whoever yeah. invented the car invented the car crash yeah. everything good you know and 
everything good has a has an opposite. Yeah, it can absolutely. have an opposite effect. Yes. Um, but we've always had hackers, if you like. So mm. we've always had people manipulating election polls, um, and we've always had people honestly filling out ballots at election polls. The mm. resource, the technology, used to be paper. The technology, if we look for it, can now be online. Mm. So it's always. We've always had that that dichotomy, I guess. Um, but I think the future is positive because we're talking about universal basic income. People power seems to be making a bit of a comeback. If you mm. have a look at what Greta Thunberg did, yeah. mobilising 20 million students yeah. um, around the world, people now have a voice. And I was talking to um, one of our startups last or a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me about the protests that are now happening um in his country, where there there was a, a political unrest, a 17-year-old got shot with a rubber bullet and died because it was very close range, mm-hmm. and instead of going into absolute protest and mayhem and burning and physical violence, the people started dancing in the streets, cooking in the streets, feeding the police officers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went, you know, we're, we're going to turn this situation around because yeah. we know that violence isn't going to do it. Yeah. Let's turn it around with love. We have leaders like Jacinda Ardern yeah. at the moment yeah. making a huge difference and having a huge impact on health policies and yeah. the way New Zealanders actually think and, and think around wellness, etc. Yeah. So I think there's this building momentum, you know, yeah. there's we're looking at, at how to best create a city um, yeah. so that everybody's needs are met. And I think all these conversations, crypto, etc., all these conversations are leading to a better world. Mm. And I think we're almost at tipping point. Yeah. I wonder if you ask the question, though, and for a lot of the listeners, if anyone says, do you want to make a difference? Yes. Naturally, we all want to make a difference. Yeah, so true. And with technology and this future of perfect knowledge or with the amount of devices and sensors that are actually coming and the information that we have access to, if you think about it, 20 years ago, we didn't have social media. Mm. And even just highlighting issues, you mentioned Greta Thunberg, so many people have rallied behind her because people want to make a difference and they jump on board and with information comes power and with information and education, we can make a huge difference. Mm. And I love the the saying, if you think about 500 years ago, it was only kings and queens that it could impact a billion people. 100 years ago, it was the industrialists. And today it's you and me. And so I'm total optimist about the future is how do we educate people about some of the world's challenges and how we can all make a difference and make it easy for people to make a difference so they can all join together and collaborate to solve some of these problems. And I have this, sorry, I, I have this huge vision. I want to triage the world's problems. Yeah. It's like if we don't know what we don't know, but, mm. you know, like even things like how many trees are there in the world, how many koalas do we have now is a big thing because I didn't realise that there was only, in 2012, there was 45000 to to 100000 100000 was the estimate of the amount of koalas we have in Australia. Mm. And with all of the bushfires happening now in Australia, the colonies for the koalas have been wiped out, yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. And so how do we actually share some of this information of what the world's problems are so that we can all work together yeah. to be able to live in this universal basic income? It's also universal basic needs. There's a, a lot to be said about data collection. So yes. if it wasn't for technology, we wouldn't be able to collect data on a mass basis as we are now. The mm. more data you have, the more informed the decisions that you make around things are. Now, people can say, yes, but the more that you can use that as a, in detriment as well. But again, you know, whoever invented the car invented calling, the car yes. crash. Yeah. Yeah. So we have this um, debate in my house around whether we want to go public with our health record or whether we don't want to go public with Mm. a health record. Mm. And I go, the more information there is out there about health, Mm. the more we can help people who are unhealthy 
um, live yeah. potentially a healthy life, where yes. some people have actually had experience where it's been used against them with health insurance, for yes. example. Yes. Uh, and I think we'll, we will find the balance. Yeah. Every time something new comes along and it's a bit disruptive, it takes a while to find the equilibrium yeah. until it becomes the norm. Yeah, um, so things that, that you know were new uh, and that were punk in you know in old-fashioned terms something new you know was was punk um then then it becomes tradition so it's no longer against the establishment it becomes mm. normal tell me about you were talking about uh, challenges lisa so the global grant challenges can and there maybe the listeners are not familiar with those can you just highlight maybe some of the, some of those and yeah. because i know SU is addressing those right yeah definitely and i think at a very Um, basic level, I see the world's problems in three categories or there's impact drivers where it's how do we end suffering for the current population alive today? How do we increase happiness for the current population alive today? Or how do we make the world better for future generations to come? Mm. And so when we talk about the global grand challenges, SU have categorized them into 12 categories, which are resource needs and societal needs, which things like energy, food, disaster resilience. Mm. And by being able to talk about the global grand challenges, the world is always going to have problems. Yes. And I think, um, you know, I think it's Tony Robbins who said, if you don't have problems, you're dead. Yes. So like it's just increasing <laughs> the quality of your problems. Yes. And so if we can think about these 12 global grand challenges and we can put them on a pedestal, then we can all collaborate to work together to be able to solve them. And it's just raising that purpose and that mission higher to be able to solve the world's problems. And I really love the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals because there's 17 very tangible ways. Almost my CFO had on here, it's like, you know, here's our mission to solve the world's challenges. But then the milestones are really the 2030 goals are a fantastic way that we can all collaborate and work together to be mm. able to solve the current challenges that we're having in the next 10 years. And where SU comes in is where we use converging technologies to help solve some of those problems. Um, and so if we actually add um, an augmented reality experience with a virtual reality experience um, for somebody, say, who's a quadriplegic and they've done some tests on this and they're they're actually working on it um, in the Hunter and in various other places around the world, um, but they're immersing quadriplegics in augmented reality and virtual reality experiences because now we know that the brain actually does form new pathways because we find out new things. The more technology we have, the more we find out what we're capable of. Uh, and they're using an exoskeleton suit, which is another convergence of technology, uh, and placing a quadriplegic in the exoskeleton suit after they've been immersed in augmented reality and virtual reality for three months, and they're finding limbs are actually moving yeah, with incredible. the exoskeleton suit. Mm. What they've done overseas is because they're up to seven months total immersion, the limbs are starting to move on their own. Mm. So here's a convergence of different technologies that are available to basically everybody um, that are we're looking towards maybe increased mobility. Nobody's mm. saying that a quadriplegic is going to be able to walk again because mm -hmm. of this, um, but increased mobility and what that does. And I actually watched a video um, of, a, of a woman who had no mobility, but they had created a device using technology, converging technologies, where she could um, create a, a command for a robotic arm that she had using a computer. And she was able to pick up a glass and bring it to her lips and have a drink for the first time independently. Mm. And for us who have got, you know, water in front of us, whatever, and we can pick it up any time we want to and have a drink, 
easy. But mm. to to actually watch that and the effect it has on a family is like it just makes you cry. Yeah, yeah, it's very, so, yeah, it's amazing. Mm. It's impactful. So talking about uh, the future again, you know, with SU here. So what, what's your vision? What's your Um, hard. Where where do you see SU Australia in the next two, three, four, five years? Where where do you want to take it? Fantastic question. There's, I think, the macro view and the micro view. So, from a macro perspective, we're a 25 million population in a global population of 7.7 billion people, and very innovative. Um, I think we're the highest. Just recently, it's come out we're the wealthiest nation per capita per. Um, per adult uh, in the world and we're in the top five for education and so how do we actually use our unique skills to have a disproportionate impact on the world and even talking about climate change I had a webinar the other day with uh, Dr David Bray and he was saying that Australians the biggest impact that they can have on climate change is create technologies and be innovative and a thought leader that's going to influence the top three countries with over a billion population. Mm. So China, India, Africa, how do we actually use our skills to be innovative and lead the way in this global conversation? So for me, the vision in Australia is how do we actually partner with the large corporates, with enterprise, with government, with um, education um, institutes, with startups, and be able to all collaborate and work together on how we best utilise Australia's strengths. And then from a micro um, view as well, running things like global impact challenges and encouraging students and younger people and startups on how they can actually use technology to have a bigger impact. And you were just talking, you know, like with neuroscience at the moment, one of the grand finalists in our last global impact challenge has an application, it's called MySortal, and they're doing reminiscence therapy for um, the elderly with dementia and they've realised that in the ages of 25 to 40, your memories are the best neurological connections to be able to help your improve your memory. And so rather than having two hours of therapy a week in a traditional way of um, treating dementia, they can actually, using an app, get the entire family involved and in asking questions about that time between 25 and 40, which is going to help increase those neurological pathways. Mm. And so I think I get so excited about the emotional side when you see that there's a lot of challenges and like individual health and we start a lot with disabilities and with challenges that people have. And technology moves forward significantly with the convergence of technology that then goes mainstream. And so from that point of view, it's how do we actually in Australia encourage all of these great ideas and these technologies and then be able to support them in all sorts of different ways with the ecosystem and the community so that they can be really successful. And there's the emotional content. So ex- going back to my sortal again, what a beautiful capture of somebody's life that lives on as a legacy for the future. So we've, we've mm. got technologies here that, that serve dual purposes mm. as well. Um, and what we can do in education and using AI, they've, they've had some amazing, outstanding results with students that have had learning difficulties. So they have their own um, AI teacher or tutor Uh, and and the steps up that they make in their learning, they've they've gone from somebody who could hardly do any maths to somebody who did U12 maths extremely easily mm. because of this individualised learning, which we don't have the capacity to do um, right now when you've got one teacher, 30 students. So I think that whole emotive reason, it's not just about the technology, it's about that how we make life 
life better um, and how it gives us time to connect with each other and in that connection all the different ideas that we can come up with and the collaborative aspect um, and how we form one global network of like-minded people mm. who want to live in peace um, and with love and yeah. in kindness. Yeah. So all these are related to the 12 Global Grand Challenges as well because we know that the way we feel the best is when we're giving. And I think this is one of the things that's also appealed to me with SU uh, over the years is also, and one thing I particularly learned, I think, that last year, having been involved with the faculty, is also this continually push to think bigger and to think, just think bigger and see, well, how can we do the same thing but impacting a lot more people in a positive way? And I think you, if you challenge yourself to just think bigger, um, I think that's a great starting point. And people were scared of moonshotting. So they, yeah. they used to be scared of whatever you call it, you know, pie in the sky, fat chance, moonshot thinking. Mm. People were scared about that at mm. one point in time. And we go, why would you fear that? Why yeah. don't you aim as high as you possibly can yes. uh, and then step it out? So yeah. things will happen in incremental stages. Yes. But if you don't aim high, you're only going to reach mediocre. Exactly. So let's aim high. Let's solve the world's grand challenges. Let's live collectively, beautifully, wonderfully. Um, and let's have a wonderful life. And it's funny because after my process with the faculty, I went back and rewrote the, I hate the name, vision. But basically... It rewrote what we are all about, Work Club, and and uh, for us, it's about connected human ecosystems and creating just a little bit better connected human ecosystems, and um, doing it on bigger scale. So we walked away and saying we're not just going to do it within our own two, three floor f- floors, within our own clubs. We want to do it within buildings, within precincts, and I think SU indirectly, directly drove us to think that way and say let's let's expand our impact to go further we've never had a time like now where we've had access to tools and resources to have such a big difference Mm. and i love that i think um, there's a saying that i love it's we're actually all in the business of enhancing the human experience yeah yeah and i think we're very fortunate because just in the way you're talking about expanding that consciousness Mm. um we have eight countries around the world that are our global partners Mm. and we share conversation and we share ideologies and we share um, concepts and theories and practices with them Mm. Um, so we've joined you know if you if you like we've joined dots for for with nine countries around the world that are spreading very similar ethos very similar message it's it's almost like a movement now right it's Mm. becoming a movement almost Mm. Mm. and so next year one of the collaborations that we're doing with all of the country partners is the future of food. Yes. And so how do we actually highlight, you know, Australia and, and run some of the programs from Australia and then get the international thought leadership on mm. the future of food together, which Fantastic. I think is, you know, one of the many programs that will run next year that's really going to um, help this education inspire people to be able to make a bigger difference. And bring thought leaders to Australia. Here's another question for you. So what does uh, abundance mean to you? Oh, that is great. I guess um, if you look at abundance, it's the opposite is scarcity. And I think we typically live in a certain frame of mind and state. I love, if you think about um, individually, the seven areas of life. So um, spiritual, health and fitness, friends and family, relationships, finance, business. And that's only six, but I'm not going to um, highlight that to everybody here today. But, um, uh, <laughs> They're all each, seven very important. All yeah. seven are yes. very important. Personal development, learning and growth. There yeah. we go. That's yeah. the um, that's yeah. <laughs> what we do. Um, and 
if you think about where you are in your personal life at any point in those areas, sometimes you'll have scarcity in your finance or maybe in your health or, um, and sometimes you'll have abundance in each of those areas. So for me, abundance is, you know, it's the abundance of whatever you need in the world. But I think if you take it back to that human level, it's how do you actually recognize where you're at and then think about the mindset that you have in each area, because sometimes you might have a a millionaire who has scarcity in their finances or in their psychology of finances because that's the meaning that they've given it. And so for me, abundance is actually in your personal life, in your business, in the impact that you're having in the world mm, and really how you can just have your own best, biggest personal impact is starting mm, with you. Yeah, great way of putting it. Yeah, we self. And if you look at the four pillars, um, so, you know, it's body, mind, heart, soul, consciousness, however you want to define it, um, it's that growth. So for us, we've started moving away from the from the word education, and it's about learning. Mm, and if you think yeah. about your learning journey, it's yes. lifelong. Yes. So whenever we whenever we boxed education into you know that that kindergarten to year twelve mm. um, block, and then you know maybe you went on to further education at university or a TAFE college or something like that, learning is lifelong, and we're mm. we're learning from the minute that we're born. And I think abundance also means. There's an abundance of opportunity out there. There's an abundance of life to be had. There's an abundance of friends to be have, to be had. Uh, and I think the theory around abundance is that is that there's plenty to go around. You know, there's plenty of friends out there if you if you want to be friendly to people. And there's plenty of learning experiences out there if you open yourself up to learning. Um, and there's there's plenty of money out there if you if you allow yourself to be open to the concept um, of of thinking about how it comes, you know, and and what you need to do in order to get there. So, I think abundance takes on many different were many different meanings for different people, yes. and it is a matter of perspective. So perspective is another thing that totally colours everything from mm. your education to your learning, you know, to abundance to scarcity to you know to every car car crash. Um, I think it's that perspective yeah. that you put on something. Yeah. If you think about the future as well and abundance, we've actually never lived in a time where we've had more abundance of food. No. You can get fruit that's out of season any time of year. Um, more abundance of education online. There's so much learning and um, capital and access to finance. We actually live in probably the most abundant time we've ever seen and mm. then that's going to increase. Yes. And so we get to choose what we see and what yes. we focus on. Do you think we get to abundance with energy? There's going to be an abundance of energy? If we want it. if we, And if we want it in the clean way, like I can see the look on your face, we're talking about like clean energy. There's yes. so many different ways and talking about energy. I mean, if you think of solar and the advancements in technology and the price performance for actually creating solar and wind farms and all yes. of the rest. And one of the things that I love is that the price performance um, has been getting better year yes, on year yes. and so it's only a matter of time that we're going to be able to have free energy for everybody and with free energy becomes the ability to get clean water anywhere yes. and with clean water we wipe out almost 50 percent of the world's current diseases and if you're yeah. wiping out the diseases especially with children then you're increasing learning opportunities because yes. the kids aren't sick they're going to school yeah you're moving up the the, yeah. the pyramid yeah, yeah. Um, and i think I don't know why in Australia we're not actually looking at... So farming for me is a collection, a harvesting, mm, okay? Mm, mm. And we've harvested milk and we've harvested wheat and we've harvested meat um, in Australia. We have the perfect conditions to harvest solar and to harvest yes, wind. Yes. And I'm not sure why we're not 
branching into the global lead on that. Yes. Yeah, and we yeah. and we can be. We're not the yeah. only country that could do that. There's oh. multiple countries around the world yes. that can do that. And I think Australia is not one of them. No, <laughs> <laughs> but Australia is actually leading. I think we're up to 33 percent of yeah. people that are collecting um, energy for you know for solar or wind and using it for for their homes. We now have a problem or an opportunity um, where it's the storage of the energy that has become the new challenge for people. I mean, just imagine how many places, lands, islands, etc. we could feed with our energy if we did start collecting it. So there's opportunity. It's how we're going to go about using it. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I, it was a joke on Denmark, but actually if you go to Denmark, you'll see probably by now most houses have got solar panels on the roofs, even though it is probably the, one of the worst countries to, to actually use that. But it's been um, encouraged, not pushed through, but encouraged. Mm. And I think there's opportunity there, not to go into that area. Um, I wanted to just ask you, how can we contribute? So you're you're talking about um, collaborating with um, academics, universities, enterprise, startups, that whole ecosystem. So how can different components of this ecosystem Worked with you. So, if I just look from a pure um, membership perspective, from our members, how that is mainly uh, smaller businesses, mid-sized businesses. There are some bigger businesses too. But how how can we work with you going forward to be part of this movement and be part of some of these solutions? Hopefully, I absolutely love that, and I think it's part of the ecosystem as joining the conversation. So even if it's joining us for some of our chapter events, um, signing up for our newsletter, what we love to do is be able to create ways to get everybody involved. And we do that with having corporate sponsors and enterprise sponsors and then being able to scholarship students to our programs. I think it's just setting up the ability that everyone can be part of this conversation. Mm. So we would love for um, you know everyone to join us and join our newsletter to hear about all the opportunities that we're rolling out. Mm. Um, we've only just launched Country Partnership in Australia in September 2019. And so our calendar of events for 2020 hopefully is really inspiring for people to come and join in on, in on the conversation. And I think that expansive thinking is one way. So even if even if you don't, but I hope you do, join our newsletter or some of our programs, join a chapter. There's chapters in um, six places, six cities around Australia at the moment. Uh, we're hopefully opening up a, a seventh one soon and then there'll be more to come um, around that later. But even if it's just that within your own organisation, you encourage expansive thinking, you encourage mm. ideation yeah. uh, and you encourage people to become involved and not take a back seat. Mm. Um, and also for me, it's also about taking responsibility. Yeah. So own. We need to, in, in Australia particularly, I think, maybe it's a Western world thing, but something goes wrong and we pull somebody down and we, you know, instead of going, well, hey, maybe we all contributed to that or, hey, we all allowed that person to take a risk. I think I think the best analogy is the kids' soccer team. So, you know, the other, the other teams score 11 goals and everybody hates the goalie. But it had to get through however other many players there are on that field to hit the net so the goalie could miss it first. Yeah, so yeah. let's collectively try to make things better, collaborate. There's so many opportunities when two different organisations actually connect. Yeah. Even though you may think that there's no line of connection between the two of them, um, we challenge people to find what that connection may be and to have conversations um, with with different organisations and people in different fields yeah. and see what you can come up with. Challenge yourself. Yeah. 
and take some responsibility as well. This is what we talk about as a community that um, for our community members and members of any community contribute you know think first around how you can give before you think about what you're going to receive yeah and i think that's with anything in life you know if you have that mindset you give then you receive absolutely if you come to a community and you just expect to receive um you won't receive a lot i what, think so what did bill say last week being in karma oh, i know, <laughs> I know but, but based on that it, he said always be in karma deficit deficit yes. and so give surplus more. deficit yes. um but he was actually using the analogy of kite surfing because yeah. you can't go kite surfing on your own because you need someone to help launch your kite and put your kite down and so you, you know if you're out there and helping other people then you know it comes back so if you always live in karma deficit um then it, it always um, you know, helps make the ecosystem go around. Yeah, exactly. And I think I love, um, and with Work Club and the members and community, we would absolutely love to share um, a lot of free content and thought leadership and do talks here. I know next year we've got um, plans to run some events in the Work Club offices as well. So we're super gra- grateful uh, for that opportunity. Well, you know, the whole association, everything you do, you do, we love. So we'll... Uh, there'll be more information about that for for next year, how we collaborate and what events will be um, going live. Now, uh, back to the human side, mm-hmm. just to round this up. Um, so, from a personal perspective, can you think of one word that represents 2019 and one word that you would like to be your narrative for 2020, if you can think of that? Okay, so we did this exercise the other day. Just one word. Oh, no, I can't oh, no, do one word. word. You, no, you, you can say one so word and then maybe expand yeah. on it. Or? So 2019 for me yes. was all about unconditional love, which is two words. Oh, wonderful, so yeah. I'm beautiful. staying with two words. Yeah. And I don't think I learned all the lessons that I need to learn or that okay. I could learn around that. So yes. I'm actually carrying unconditional love with me into 2020. Fantastic. Mine word of the that's year a hard this year. One. It is that's a hard, a hard one. one. And that's why I need another year. If you can, yeah. 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 yeah, I'll keep testing that for her. Yeah. So yeah. Can. <laughs> <laughs> what more? <laughs> uh, my word of the year this year was waves. And so going with the flow, and I like the word of the year, it's because you can explore it in all different angles. Mm. And so, you know, how do we actually uh, move with, you know, what's happening and go with the flow and not resist and be able to listen to the energy in the universe and um, be able to really achieve what we're doing in a flow state. And my word of the year for 2020 is smarter. And so I've had a word of the year for, for many, many years. Can you and get I think, any smarter? That's the question. I think it's working smarter, not harder. Yeah. And I think it's sharing that message with a lot of other people as well, because I know a lot of people do it tough and they put everything that they do into what they do. And we have the opportunity now with technology to be smarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for me, being smarter about my health, I, um, I'm talking about being the CEO of my health now because mm-hmm. I'm a really good CEO in business, mm-hmm. but yeah, how do you do that in your health? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about longevity and we're talking about, um, you know, how do we live healthier for longer? So yeah. the word yeah. smarter kind of comes in different ways of how do we actually live smarter in all areas of life. What about you? What's yours? That's a good question. So I'm, I'm actually just working through that right now. So it's interesting because we have our Christmas party. It's uh, on Thursday at Work Club. Um, and what we're going to ask our members about is what was the one word that represented 2019? And uh, what's the one word you like 2020 to represent? And we're going to take those words for 2020 and we're going to see if there's a um, narrative that comes up or something that we will then help create for next year some of our events around. So... If um, 
you know everybody have unconditional love maybe we'll pick you know a few uh, events around that to, mm. to to respond to that and see if there's a way that we can learn together around that topic mm. so I have a number of words for 19. I haven't locked it in. It's been quite you know, <laughs> big in many ways. And in 2020, um, I'm going to sit down when we close down and put a narrative together for the year and trying to just be more conscious and uh, not reactive, but in control. Because like with anything here, there's too much information. There's, you know, you can so easily be led by everybody, right? And by anything that happens that I think it's a good way of just um, take a stock of everything and then be conscious about what you want the next year to be and then you may or may not succeed but the idea of stopping up and just be conscious about how you want to spend your time uh, and what you want to spend it on I think it's it's actually critical Can I just part. throw in there as well just because the SU thing is about thinking bigger Yeah, is I love this time of year to reflect, it's also the end of a decade Yes and the beginning of a new decade yes. starting soon. So yeah. I think that reflection we can take. Um, I love the 2019 and the 2020. And if we think bigger in the world in the next 10 years, it's going to be very different. So um, I'm going to personally take the opportunity to reflect on this last decade, which a lot happens in 10 years, and then think about you know the real impact and what my life and the meaning of life is for Lisa in 2020 to 2030 in this next decade. I think part of my thing with unconditional love as well, reflecting back on what you just said, is unconditional love for self mm. as well because mm. I think that's one of the toughest things. Yes, it is. We always set expectations. Like yes. you, you know, And there were several things um, in what you just said that, that went is this okay is that you know i need the time to think i need the yeah. you know so and and also with what you said lisa about um about the about what is smarter so i think mm. we all come at the same topic i think you can actually fit all those words and all those definitions under each of the global grand challenges as well which for me is where everything goes the global grand challenges for me represent the opportunity to create a better planet yeah. um, and a better life for my children and my children's children and you know make sure we leave them a planet for starters um, and i think unconditional love and smarter and consciousness all fit mm. um, within that. So I, I, I like to challenge people um, in the same way, I guess, that you just went with a decade to go, how does that word fit into every aspect of mm. your life? Mm. Um, and what does it mean there? So Great. Great summary, Christina. Thank you. Beautiful uh, end. Uh, I want to thank Lisa Andrews and Christina Geradidis. Very good. Um, for joining us at uh, our podcast. And uh, Merry Christmas to you, and I hope you have a great break. See you back in the new year. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. Thank Merry you. Christmas. Thank you. Explore the Florence Guild podcast with the best talent from Australia and across the world. You can subscribe and rate this podcast on iTunes. For more information on Florence Guild, visit florenceguild.com.